Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast, folks. Um, I'm really excited about my guest today. The person I'm going to introduce to you is someone really special. Um, For, let's say, 40 plus years, she's not only been studying transformational principles and the invisible side of success, but has been teaching millions of people from all walks of life around the world. She is the author, best-selling author of two books, No Less Than Greatness and Building Your Field of Dreams. And uh, she may or may not remember, I won't go into too much detail now, but when I was about mm, 15, I had the opportunity to meet her in San Diego at a New Thought, uh, a New Thought Alliance conference and I remember seeing her speak in San Diego and uh, really lit me up. And uh, I didn't forget that talk. I didn't forget that she probably doesn't even remember, but the brief interaction I had with her was filled with such kindness. And as a, as a teenager, as a young kid who was really into this stuff, um, just that moment of kindness really uh, stuck with me. So it's great to come full circle and invite the amazing Mary Morrissey onto Soul Talk. Welcome. Thank you. I don't remember the quiet encounter we had together, but I do remember the conference very well. And I think that's really remarkable that at 15, you are already something happening with you, Coach, that this was going to be your life path. Yes. It was just a kind of backstory is my father, you know, he he was a a minister and had a, a big church in London. And so he was connected to Blaine Mace of INTA. And Blaine Mace came over to see my father and then they got connected. And so I was spo- he was supposed to come to this conference, right, in San Diego and he got sick. And so I'm 15, I begged my father to let me go. And he refused and refused. My mother finally convinced him to let the kid go. And so this was like my first like seminar of any kind coming from the UK. And there was like Gene Houston and... Who else was there? Beck, Michael Beckwith was it? You were there, and it was you know for fifteen years. Gary Colbrecker was there also. Yes, it was was mind blowing. So that's where we first met. I, I still have a picture of that, and maybe uh, when I see a TLC, I'll take a snapshot and show you. So I would love that. <laughs> it's great to connect. So I would love to just you know I, I think some folks may not know of some of your story. I'm always curious about people's stories in terms of you've been teaching for decades and inspiring so many folks from around the world. So I'm curious, like, how did you, how did it start? What, 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 what was the inspiration to you getting on the path of seeking and knowledge and understanding sort of deeper spiritual principles to life, fulfillment and success? Was there something from childhood? Was, was there an event? There was an uh, event. 
It was a very significant event that, that occurred. So I had a, I grew up in Beaverton, Oregon, which is an upper mm-hmm. suburb of Portland, Oregon. Had a great uh, upbringing. I mean, high school, I'm junior year of my high school. I'm class vice president. I'm on the drill team, have a lead in the junior play. I'm homecoming princess. And in the spring, my high school boyfriend, we'd been dating four years, went off to college, came home on spring break. I got pregnant. Mm. May 1, I'm now telling my mom and dad that I am now pregnant. My mother wept for me as if I had died. Wow. We had a very hasty 10-person wedding. Two weeks later, the principal of the high school called me to his office and said, are these rumors I'm hearing about you true? And I said, well, if the rumors are that I'm pregnant and married in that order, then yes, they're true. Mm. He just put his head in his hands and he said, Mary, you have terrific grades, great honors, but you will not be allowed to return here for your senior year in high school. Um, it would be totally inappropriate for a pregnant girl to get mixed in with the normal girls. Wow. But if you do want to get a high school, so your senior year, you can't come. But if you want to get a high school diploma, which I did, I'd always wanted to be a teacher. Um, And I didn't see this as a dead end, getting pregnant. I saw it as a detour. But I wasn't giving up on that dream of being a teacher. So I did want a high school diploma. So if you want a high school diploma, there's a place you can go. It's on the other side of the river. Uh, it's not held during daylight hours. It's after dark. With a regular high school happens during the day. And then at night, uh, we open the doors for pregnant girls and delinquent boys. And that's where you can get your diploma. So I drove over there in the fall of 1966. Mm. I remember walking up the steps, Coot, thinking, okay, every girl here is either pregnant or has a baby. Every guy is some kind of delinquent. This is my new student body. Now, I don't know where you were at the beginning of your equivalent in London of uh, high school, um, your senior year. So my son was born in December. I graduated from Washington Evening High School in May. Wow. And then my life took a radical turn. In July of 1967, I was diagnosed with fatal kidney disease. Wow. I was in an intensive care ward uh, in, the, in the Portland Hospital. And they told me, this is before it's pre-transplants or dialysis available. Um, and they said, well, uh, this is a death sentence. And we, you know, they're very sorry. I've got a seven month old son, you know, they're mm-hmm. very sorry. But if we can get the blood toxin level in your body reduced enough to remove the right kidney, then maybe you'll have six months to live. Now, I'm, I remember laying Wait, in this. Maybe uh, six months to live. Maybe, maybe six months to live. I remember laying in this intensive care bed thinking, I may never see my little boy even walk or you have a brand new baby, you know, in your life. I, I may never walk him into kidding. I mean, all the things that a parent, you know, dreams of helping their child grow into. Um, and um, deep down, see the God of my upbringing was not a friendly place to go when you felt like you had really screwed up. It was a God that was emotional and angry and punishing and yes. Deep down, I believed I was being punished. Clearly, I was a bad girl. I got kicked out of my high school. My girlfriends who I'd grown up with, their mothers got together and decided those girls could not even talk to me as mm. if what I had was contagious. And I'm, I'm relegated to go to school with delinquents. I mean, clearly, mm. I'm in a classification now of being a bad person. And um, so I must not even deserve to live. And that was my thinking. And then finally, the night before the surgery was scheduled, a woman walked in my room identifying herself as a chaplain who was offering prayer for people who are having surgeries the next day. She said, they come to me in the order of seriousness. Your name is at the top of the list. Do you want someone to pray with you? And I was scared. I was terrified. And I said, okay. 
She pulled her chair next to my bed, but she didn't do anything that looked like a prayer. She talked to me. She pulled this chair up to me and she said, would you be willing to tell me what's been going on in your life the last year or two? Mm. So I told her my story at the end of which she looked at me compassionately and she said, Mary, everything's created twice. You know, I just, what are you talking about? She said, you actually know this. In fact, everybody knows this, but almost nobody knows the power of knowing this. Mm. Then she said that the nightgown you're wearing, the sheet covering you, the bed you're on, the walls, the ceiling, the floor, all the machinery you're hooked up to, all of it had to be a thought before it could be a thing. Mm. And now that you're considering how everything is created twice, could you consider the possibility because I've just heard your story, Mary, and I hear how much you love your little boy, but I also hear how much you've been hating yourself. You mm. feel like you shamed your school, you shamed your family, you shamed yourself. And now that you're considering how everything is created twice, could you consider that there could be a possibility that there's a correlation between that toxic thinking and the toxicity that is rampaging your body and threatening your very life? Wow. And um, I didn't how many I, I didn't have any understanding of all of this now remember her comments to me this comes in the summer of 1967 there are no mind body clinics at harvard or stanford or wow. ucla university hospitals that's not in our awareness mm -hmm. um, and she says so and if you could live what would you do i do two things i'd raise my little boy and i'd become a teacher mm. so she said could you believe it's possible that we can do a prayer and in the morning, the doctors come in, look at you and say, oh my gosh, you look so much better. Let's test you. They test you. They say, you're just fine. You get up and go home. Could you believe that's possible? I told her the truth. No, there wasn't <laughs> one part of me that believed she was going to say some words and I was going to be miraculously healed. I believed way more in my pain mm -hmm. than in her possibility. Mm -hmm. She said, right, if you can't believe that, could you believe this? Could you believe we could say a prayer? Uh, and visualize and scoop all the toxicity into the kidney that's going to get removed and it gets removed. And then instead of getting worse, you just start to get better. Could you believe that? In that moment, Coot, I didn't believe it, mm. but I could tell she did. Mm. And it was the first time, and I wasn't aware of it until later through my studies, that that was the first time when I actually borrowed on someone else's belief that was operating on a higher frequency than my own. I said, well, I don't know if it's probable, but maybe it's possible. And she said, that's all we need. One corner of your mind open to the possibility. This is before unified field theory. This is before Talbot writes out of Stanford uh, holographic universe. Mm -hmm. All we need is one corner of your mind open to the possibility. So I invite all of us, all of us listeners, viewers right now, hold your mind open to a possibility of something that can really happen in your life that you would absolutely love and you have no idea how to make it happen mm. and just stay open to the possibility, keep that open. So she did a prayer. I don't remember the prayer. Uh, they came in the morning, took me to surgery. They told my family gathered that one kidney was totally destroyed. They removed it. The other one, 50% destroyed, pockmarked, uh, shriveled. They didn't know if I'd even get the six months. And then she, oh, and she also gave me a prescription and this is very important. Uh, she said, after the surgery, you're going to feel pain for a few days and your mind's going to be busy with that. When that ceases and ebbs, mm. your mind is going to want to go down the well-worn paths of thinking that you've been doing. So here's what I want you to do. 
the moment you noticed you're, ha you're having a self-loathing thought, interrupt it and say, no, that left with the kidney. And then mm. immediately, Mary, imagine you're holding a little boy's hand in yours, it's warm, and he's five, and you're walking up to a building and there's steps, and you go up the steps, and there's a kindergarten teacher welcoming your son, and you're there, and he hugs you, and he's excited to go into kindergarten. And you hear the click, click, click of your heels around the corner and go down the hall and then around the corner and there's your first classroom and you're a teacher. Then fast forward and you're sitting in an auditorium or a stadium and down are all these caps and gowns. You hear your son's name called. He walks across the stage, gets his diploma, holds it up. You're mm -hmm. cheering. So grateful for all the many moments that you've been there to help him achieve this goal in his life. And then fast forward and you're sitting in the front row of a wedding and your son is marrying the love of his life and you're the mother of the groom, and your teaching career is flourishing. And then she left. I must have been Coot, what today we would call an unconscious competent. Mm. I wasn't thinking, oh, if I do this, then that, that, you know, that might help me get better. I wasn't, that wasn't me. Um, and, but I unconsciously was doing evidently, it just made me feel better mm. to imagine walking him into kindergarten, see him graduate, yep. see him get married. Um, and after about 10 or 12 days, the doctor said, well, your uh, numbers have stabilized. We don't know how long this will last, but if you want to go home for a week or two till you have to come back to the hospital. Um, I went home in an ambulance. I was so weak, I couldn't get my head off the pillow. Um, and just subtly, I had to go to the urologist several times a week to get tested, but my numbers stabilized and then just slightly started to improve and improve. About between five and six mm -hmm. months after the surgery, I'm sitting in a conference room with the surgeon, the uh, tech people and the other the regular doctors that would have helped me. And they're all scratching their heads saying, we have no science for what's happening with you. The surgeon said, I saw that kidney. It was pockmarked, shriveled, wow. barely functioning. And now it's functioning like a whole full kidney. We don't know how long this is gonna last or if it's gonna last. Mm. Keep doing what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I just kept on living into a vision for my life. Mm. So it would be about four years later, I got myself into undergraduate school after a while. And I'm beginning and I in the fall of 1971, have a moment where two or three things occurred in October of 71, one of which was randomly signing up, because a man had come to the town I lived in. And mm. my husband's mother said, you need to go hear this guy. And he said, I've got a friend coming next weekend. We're doing a two day event. Um, and I had an extra credit thing I could do if I did that two day training. Um, it was like a meditation retreat or something. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that. Uh, and he said, my friend has been in India for two for three years. He's coming back and he's gonna offer a, and there were 14 of us went uh, to that. He, the only thing that guy had done when he came back from India was give a lecture at University of British Columbia. It came to Beaverton, Oregon, his name Rob Doss. Oh, and so when he had just come back, it was like uh, having him train me for two days on wow. how things occur. Mm. And it was like a light bulb went off and I realized, OK, life is not happening to me. Life is happening with me. It's happening mm -hmm. that way with all of us. We're transacting with this invisible energy mm. And our thoughts and emotions create a vibration, and that vibration dictates our perception, what we attract or don't. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it was, and I began uh, being like a thirsty sponge for everything I could find in the field of transformation. Mm. Um, that's how it began. Wow. Wow. It's powerful. And so I'm curious, I just want to jump right in. There might be someone listening and, and, and they might be questioning. So are you saying that if, we, if we're willing to believe and hold that belief, we open ourselves to that possibility, that experience? You don't get to not believe. It's only a matter of what you believe. What? Every one of us has what's called believing power. You don't get to not believe. You can believe in the problem. You can mm. believe in the difficulty. Mm. You can believe in the possibility. We, you and I direct our believing on the altar of whatever we say mm. um, has power. Mm. And we've been trained to think that circumstances, situations, and conditions have power, and that in order to change them, we ha we have to, I, I, you know, when Thoreau did his work, uh, Emerson and Thoreau, in what was known as the second revolution in America, the first mm -hmm. being the uh, revolution for independence, uh, so the second was a revolution of thinking where, and they developed what they called transcendentalism, that there's a part of us, every one of us, we didn't create ourselves. Mm. We can't breathe ourselves. We can't even make our heartbeat one time. Mm -hmm. This presence, power, life, call it what you will, moves into and through this physical thing and animates mm -hmm. it. And the, but you and I, have a you know like and it's life itself is even pressing through a blade of grass today to be more yes yes pressing through a tree it's pressing through you and me the only difference between the blade of grass or tree and you and me is the blade of grass and tree have no ability to say no it's not convenient mm -hmm. not today maybe mm -hmm. after i get the kids in college then i'll do my dream or mm -hmm. but humans have the ability to mm -hmm. delay thwart but the river of life doesn't stop flowing through us. It just mm -hmm. moves into mutated forms of unlived life. Wow. Show up as problems, difficulties, diseases. Uh, so as not serving that life force, mm -hmm. seeking to express uniquely in every mm -hmm. single one of us. Mm -hmm. How do we know, like what what it is that we're here to to do? What 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 our dream is? You're saying this life force is, I love that analogy, this life force is expressing. And so how does someone know, oh, I, I'm, this is what I'm here to do, or this is what my dream is, or this is how I get to channel that energy. Because some people might, say, might be saying, I feel something, but I'm not, Mary, I'm, I'm not clear what the hell I'm here to do. Two things. One is start to notice what you're doing when you come alive. Uh-huh. When you feel like I, you just notice that you could lose yourself in it or you be, you come alive in it. The other is start with what you know for sure. You know some things for sure about what you love doing, what you'd love to bring forth. And the, uh, the most important question, and it's not one we're trained to ask, is what would I love? We're trained to think, well, what does my education say I can do? What does the economy say? Is this a good time to open a business or not? Is, what's the economy doing? And we look to circumstances for permission to do yes. what we really love to do. 
we're dealing with infinite possibilities. I mean, we know this through physics. The fun part today is that, you know, I studied every world religion. I got a mm -hmm. seminary degree. I got a master's degree in counseling psychology. I've been a student of physics, the new emerging physics and how that works, mm -hmm. given the lineage of human understanding that we have for 150,000 years. Um, and we were just in this miraculous, wonderful time now where it's coming together, you know, mm -hmm. there was an old um, uh, teaching story could about these two scientists are climbing up the mountain of knowledge, and they climb, you know, test by test, theory by theory, uh, theorem by theorem, they climb and climb and climb and finally they get to the top of the mountain. And there are the mystics. They're saying, welcome, boys. We were hoping you'd finally get here. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like the perennial truth that Huxley wrote about that mm -hmm. is everywhere present. So how do you know for yourself is pay attention to what you fall in love with, what you love doing, what you if you allowed yourself, if money didn't stop you, your education didn't stop you, what other people think didn't stop you. And you just listened to you. Most of us today in our world spend way more time dealing with what's coming at us yes. than what's seeking to move through us. Mm -hmm. And we spend more time planning a weekend trip than we spend actually planning a life we'd love to live. Mm -hmm. If someone is feeling like they, they have these visions, but perhaps they look at their life and talked about external circumstances and they say, okay, Mary, but I have to pay the rent and I don't have, the, I, you know, it's easy for you to say you're successful. I, I don't have the, the finances to, to pursue my dream. I don't have the finances to start that business. And then maybe they're locked into a bit of scarcity mindset and thinking. How can they begin to shift out of the, the constant scarcity focus into feeling and, and embodying that abundance? What a, a good question. It's very, we've all been trained mm -hmm. to look at problems, to look at circumstances. So know this, it doesn't make, it's just your pattern. We've been trained this way. Mm. You, we, when we were little kids, we all dreamed easily. Uh, and then about the time we got to be five or six, we were sent to school and we were told, stop doing mm -hmm. that. Right. You know, pay attention to us and then regurgitate what we tell you and we'll call mm -hmm. you educated and give you degrees and honors along the way. Um, and there's nothing wrong with learning what's already been learned, but we dislearn or disconnect from that soul force that sends signals that is what if. So if you start paying attention to if and it's a shift, you're right, it is a shift to move from why I can't have something and make mm -hmm. that my focus. Too, but what if I could just mm. even that opening will bring different ideas. The ideas that we have are on the frequency of the thought frequency that we're thinking. So if I'm looking at why I can't, every way I can't shows up for me. But if I say, but what if I took a baby step? Mm. What if I took a baby step? What step could I take with what I have from where I am? And you start writing down ideas, different ideas come to you. Mm. It takes no more energy. There's, you could think the thought, how do I get to the end of the month and pay my bills? Yep. And every idea that is one of struggle, because that's a struggle frequency, will come to us. 
you could just as easily think, okay, what could I do to generate an extra thousand dollars this month or 10,000 or depending on your way of relating to how things can occur for you? What could I do to generate different ideas will come to you? It's the same thinking, but directed in an expansive or in a contractive way. It is going to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. I like that. the same thinking, but just directed differently, either contractive or expansive. Mm-hmm. All right, got it. So, can we manifest anything? Can we manifest anything? We can manifest everything we're in harmony with. See, talk about that. Yeah. So to be in harmony with it means mind, body, spirit, that you're vibrating. Mm-hmm. You think about you've got a television. We all do. Okay. That'll sh- in my television, because we have cable, we have probably a thousand mm-hmm. different programs we could be watching or views of life. The one we're going to see isn't what we want. The one we're going to see is the one we're tuned to. Mm-hmm. Well, I can be tuned to the frequency of CNN, constantly negative news, and mm-hmm. want discovery or want romance or want mm-hmm. business success. Mm-hmm. But I'm tuned to problems. Yeah. Pictures I'm going to see are an exact match to the frequency that I'm tuned to. Mm-hmm. Easy with the television to pick up a remote control. Mm-hmm. Not so easy with this. Because we have patterns, some of which we see and some of which we don't see. On the other hand, you can start with a vision. Once you have the vision of what you would love, regardless of circumstances and conditions and history and training and the feeling of not being good enough and maybe I don't deserve it and all that human stuff, and you just get clear, it's going to be you keep breathing another 365 days going to have results you don't get to create you don't get to breathe and not have results mm. and they show up in four major ways in our life in the human experience mm. well you know i think most of us today and particularly with those coot that you're talking to would recognize we're more than just being a human being we are spirit yes. beings having a human experience but by golly that human experience seems very real mm. and it, i mean but so you have four areas in the human experience where you're having results. Health, we don't get to not have a health result. Mm. Relationships, the quality, the depth, the fun, or the struggle, or the uh, whatever we have, we have relationship results. Mm-hmm. We have vocation, what we're doing with our time and talent. Where they get paid for it, there are people who have left careers. They don't need to get paid anymore or care about getting paid, but your vocation is where you're expressing what you're expressing that you with time and talent mm-hmm. uh, in the earlier days of our lives most of us trade our time for money we, we we're you know we're building homes we're growing mm-hmm. families uh and the question of what would i really love is squashed for what do i have to do mm-hmm. to make this occur and then time and money freedom that's your freedom quadrant to be able mm-hmm. to go where you want to go do what you want to do give what you really want to give um, so those you have four results right now. So the question is, what would I love? It's three years from now. I'm mm. gonna, I'm going to, uh, if I get to live three more years, I'm mm. going to have results in all of those four areas. Mm-hmm. So to shape a vision of what you would really love, particularly in the area of your highest interest. If you have health challenges, you want to focus on health. Mm-hmm. If you've wanted that love of your life and it hasn't happened for you, you may want to focus on that area. If you have, or kids, if you're older and you have adult kids, that maybe there's discord or distance, healing that, creating 
Uh, or if you're in a relationship and it's kind of on autopilot, you want to go mm. deeper with it, mm. um, what you're doing with your time and talent, mm. uh, it, the business, perhaps you built a business and now is no longer engaging for you. Mm-hmm. So, and then what would I, if I, if my calendar showed I could go where I want to go mm-hmm. do what I want to do, what would be on that calendar? What would be in my mm-hmm. checkbook or my investment accounts? Mm-hmm. and hold a vision. Once you have that vision, you begin to notice that it has a vibration to it. Mm. And for most of us, it means that we think of it as out there. Mm. I'm here. I want to get to that out there. You know, Henry David Thoreau did this experiment with life. I mentioned the Emerson Thoreau, the transcendentalist who did an experiment with a kind of thinking that they would ultimately call transcendentalism. To, to transcend circumstances, situations, and conditions, and come from a vision. Um, and he does, he does a two-year, two-month, and two-day experiment um, in living by Walden Pond. He, didn't, he wasn't a hermit, uh, mm. took notes on what life was teaching him. He said, I wanted to front life on its own terms, learn mm-hmm. what it had to teach me, and not when I came to die, find out that I hadn't even really lived. Then he writes an essay on his experience and in the conclusion uh, he says something that became and is today a very, very uh, powerful and uh, well-recognized quote. Mm. If one advances confidently in the direction of their dreams, Mm. it's on postcards, it's on plaques. I mean, I've seen it in different languages all over the world. How, but this, this piece of his work right there, isn't just a great quote. It's actually a code. Mm. for how things occur. Mm. If, first of all, you don't have to have a vision. You can just fight circumstances. If one advances confidently in the direction of their dream, Mm. you can't advance in a direction you don't have an idea of. Mm. No dream will come true for you if you don't dream it. What would you love? Mm. Make picture. Your mind thinks in pictures. It doesn't think in words. It thinks in pictures. Mm. I say to you, your kitchen sink, the Mm. door to where you live, the bed you sleep on most often. You don't see B-E-D or D-O-O-R. You see pictures, Mm. a bed, a door, a sink. So you want pictures of what it is you would love if one advances confidently in the direction of their dream. So so the advancing, and here, let me just say it together so you can see the whole if one advances confidently, I, I teach in, as I'm teaching this with people, it's not about you being confident in yourself. Mm. We're not. We know mm-hmm. we've achieved that before. Yes. You're confident in the invisible laws that govern how things occur. You are mm. confident today when you got out of bed and put your feet on the floor that gravity was going to hold you to the earth. Mm. Or we fl- walk over to a light switch. We're confident. I have zero idea how to wire the house I'm in. But I know it's wired to code. And if the light isn't coming on, uh, it's mm-hmm. not because I need to meditate more. <laughs> right. It's because there's a circuitry problem. Yes. And it's the same thing in any other manifestation. There are invisible mm-hmm. laws that govern. If mm-hmm. advancing confidently in the direction of their dream, and here's the kicker, endeavoring to live the life you've imagined. Ah. Not then, but now. Now. Mm-hmm. But now. So I'm in a hospital bed in intensive care, and I'm imagining to the point of feeling it as real, Mm. walking my little boy into kindergarten. I'm having the experience of being the woman, having that experience. 
and I'm imagining being the woman in the auditorium at the high school graduation, mm -hmm. seeing him, feeling that, and I'm imagining so that my system now begins. It's, I wish I could have just changed a remote control and it would have all changed. <laughs> that wasn't the way it works in humans. Mm -hmm. We have a process we go through to generate state mm -hmm. of being way more on that frequency. I love his choice of the word endeavor and endeavor to live the life you've imagined because it means you don't have to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's just that you return again. You notice your thought becoming more fearful or believing more in the problem than, wait a minute, one step a day, baby steps. I am a firm over many, many years of helping tens mm -hmm. of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. I'm a believer in baby steps. They'll take you all the way up Mount Everest if you just keep taking them. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is when you take some baby steps, all of a sudden, it's almost like a runner. You get this second wind and all of a sudden you look and the step you took is way further than you would have anticipated. But it was in the baby steps that the mm -hmm. shift in the frequency began to occur in me. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. things open up in ways that I couldn't make them open up, but I make mm -hmm. them welcome. Mm -hmm. By what's and, going on me. And, and and the key thing is yeah you took the baby steps many of us we, we we want this thing to happen we don't take the baby steps we sit there and we're kind of waiting allowing ourselves to be dictated by <laughs> <laughs> so look uh, you mentioned some invisible laws to manifest like can you share anything a bit more about some of those invisible laws invisible walls yes the invisible laws like what are some of the other invisible laws that we may not be we, all, we pretty much most of us have heard of the law of attraction yes which is you know you're going to attract like on the frequency so if i'm focused on the problem i'm mm -hmm. going to see problems but that's a, that's really what we would call a secondary law the primary law is the law of vibration mm. and everything is dictated by the law of vibration so if i'm on this frequency i'm not going to have that result the question can i have anything i want only if I'm willing to be on the frequency that's a match to the thing I want in the same way you do it on your television. Mm -hmm. I got to be a match to the frequency of the thing I want mm -hmm. and be stable enough on it. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, you're kind of on and then off and on and then off. But over time, you begin to build a relationship with a reality that hasn't yet taken form, but it's living alive and well inside of you. Mm -hmm. When something happens that you don't like, something that happens yes. like it's going to thwart you or stop you, what I do, I look at that and I go, okay, this is just what it looks like while this, my vision, is all coming together. Mm. If one advances confidently in the direction of their dream, endeavoring to live the life they've imagined, he says they pass an invisible boundary. Ah. And all... Uh -huh. Things sort of things start to happen that never otherwise would have occurred because now I am strong enough on this vibration, crossing an invisible boundary, the boundary of, oh, I need something outside, mm -hmm. never outside. Mm -hmm. The boundary wasn't out there. The boundary was in me. So let me let me let me clarify. So we move confidently, as you're talking about, living in that state that Thoreau's talking about. Um, does it mean so? It means we, we we're holding the feeling, we're holding the energy, we're holding the vibration, we're imagining, and we're imagining, and they're holding the picture. But does it mean like we we go buy the thing, we go do the thing, we go make that phone call? Do we you mean, spend you the mean, money to go the money that mean, let's say someone's like, but I don't have the money? Do we go spend the money for that product that we need? Like break that down in in now in the tangible. Yeah, so. Often the thing we think we have to have, I have to have the money to be able to do that. Yes. 
probably you don't need the money, you need the thing. Mm. So as you begin to open up to different ways, and there is always something you can do with what you have from where you are. And you want a big harvest, you're going to plant a little tiny seed. Mm-hmm. But, but so example, my oldest son, John, um, he was living in Mexico in uh, Cabo San Lucas. Mm. Uh, I go visit him and his wife and my two granddaughters, twin granddaughters, and I'm leaving and he's an executive. Uh, and, you know, he grew up with me as his mother and kind of went, oh, all that woo woo stuff. I'm going into the real world. I'm going into real business. And he did. And he's highly successful in the hotel industry and living in Cabo. And so we're just sitting out the night before and, you know, having some iced tea out on the patio overlooking the Bay of Cabo and the arch mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, so what's next for you? And he goes, I said, what's next? He said, what do you mean? We're going to go to bed. We're going to get up. We're going to go to the morning. <laughs> I said, no, what's next for you? And when he tells the story, he says, I knew what I wanted to be next, uh, but I'd lost hope. I said, well, you know, we live in this two bedroom house. We got Ricardo. We've got the twins. I mean, it is so packed here, but there's no mortgage money. And there's not what you can't get a mortgage in Mexico. And the home we would really love to have is three quarters of a million dollars. And we don't have that much. We got 150 here in the house. Mm. and um, It's not going to happen. So what I'm doing, what's next for me is learning how to be grateful for what I have. Mm. And I said, well, John, could it be a yes? And could you be grateful for what you do have and And. feel that feeling of wanting more? Mm -hmm. Well, it's not going to happen. And then he trying to tell me all the reasons why it can't happen. And I said, would you be willing to let me help you? Mm. And he said, you're going to write me a check. (laughs) (laughs) I said, not a check. I'm going to give you something better still. Helps have a mom that's a coach, right? (laughs) And he said, okay. Uh, So so I said, well, do you have a blueprint of the house you want? Well, no. Mm. I said, well, get a piece of paper. So he ran in the kitchen and there was a, he grabbed a paper napkin and he drew out and spent some time telling me what they would, they've talked about what they want. Now it's on a napkin. And I said, so here's, I said, where would you build it? And he says, oh, we, we've, we've already paid for a piece of land, but there's, we can't build on it because there's no money. And I said, so how about this? Um, I'll, I'll be talking to you and I'll give you steps. But the first step is go and stand on that, take your napkin, stand on that piece of property and visualize mm. yourself walking in the front door, climbing up the stairs, looking out the deck that is the deck you dream of. How many walk into the different bedrooms? Advance confidently in the direction of your dream. What's happening for John as he does this is he becomes more related to it. Mm. Versus it's out there, it's not going to happen. Here's why it's not going to happen. And he's disconnected from it. So uh, you know, I'm not smart enough to know what's going to happen that will solve not having a mortgage. I am smart enough to know that these invisible laws work. And when you do the thing you can do with what you have, different ideas come to you. That's Those true. lead to other things that you would never have predicted. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas that came at some point, it was, get, he, I said, can the, could a builder build from these? First of all, he says, uh, how many times do I need to do this? And I said, well, <laughs> your dream is a baby right now. If you, uh-huh. said, you have two little twins. You know, how many times a day did you feed them when they were babies? Right. So you're, it's in its infancy state. Mm-hmm. Go at least once a day, go once a day, put 10, 12 minutes mm-hmm. into it until you see and feel. And it wasn't long till he made a makeshift scaffolding 
so that he could stand up there and imagine being on the second floor. And then mm. one thing led to another, including the day when he's, I, he said, what's, what, what do you think what's next? And I said, can a builder build it from your napkin? Well, no, check into getting uh, real blueprints. Mm. He comes and he says, well, mom, it's $15,000. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't expect me to put $15,000 into blueprints for a house I can't build. And I said, so that's common hour thinking that I was talking about. Of course. Mm. I said, you're never going to build the house without the blueprints. So he went ahead and got the blueprints. Now he's <laughs> more invested in Morvillet and behind that came the idea, what if we sold the house we're in and use that money, took it to the, the, the uh, architect. You could build a foundation and maybe your garage with that money. Mm. He said it was scary to him, but he thought, I'm going to take the step I can take with what I have. And by means of being, that was the empty lot in this whole neighborhood that had not yet been built on. Mm. He's building this house and now it's 2008. They're about to shut down construction because they've used the 150 and built the foundation and built the garage. Uh, And a car drives up. They're just about to close down that day. And a car drives up and he gets out and he says, what are you doing? We're building a house. Well, tell me about it. He goes in, he says, this is fabulous. Uh, he says, you know, I represent a mortgage company that's looking to move into uh, Mexico, and we came here, uh, and this whole neighborhood could be built. Um, you know, do you need any help? And John said, well, what kind of help? And he said, like, getting a mortgage to finish it? Wow. And you wow. Can, you cannot make that happen. Wow. You make it welcome by doing everything you can do with what you have mm. in, a, in an energy of believing that there are ways you don't know you're not I mean, the infinite has infinite ways to bring something about mm. but it'll bring you everything that you're on the frequency of mm. uh you know i don't uh when oh. this get aired but uh just a few days ago uh um the tennis player um uh, the french Djok- open djokovic yes i don't know if you heard his his saying he said, you know, from the time I was seven years old, I visualized being the most winningest tennis player, the Grand Slam winningest t- tennis player ever in history. Mm. And he said, I visualized it and I would visualize it till I could feel it as real. And then I took the steps I could take over and over and over again. Even when I failed, even when it didn't look like it was happening, I would visualize it. I would feel it as if it's real and I would take the step that day I could take. Mm. And he said, I'm a firm believer that we dictate our own destinies with our thinking. And it was going, yes, I was so happy for him for his outcome. And then he said, they said, are you surprised? And he says, no, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I've been having the experience in my mind for years. And that's really for all of us. You take what it is. We've, we've, if you, regardless of where you are, what you've got, your history, dream a dream of what you would absolutely love. Get, a, get pictures of it, step inside of it, like you're imaginally mm, living in mm, it. Mm, mm. And then what can I do today with what I have to take a baby step, one mm, step today? Mm, you might be having another, a job that's nothing like the one you want, mm-hmm. but you can take a napkin and go stand yeah. the bank, the blank piece of land and begin to imagine yourself yeah. being the person having what it is that you're imagining. Yeah, I have a similar experience in a nutshell. I- I bought some land many years ago in uh, Joshua Tree and nobody wanted the land. Nobody wanted the land. They couldn't give it away. 40 acres I oh, got for 
pennies on the dollar, which then the valuation exploded. And so I've been building there. And so I, I, I know what you're saying is real. And at that time, I had no idea how to build a thing. And yet one thing led to the next thing and led to the next thing. And so thank you for sharing those principles. Two final questions. You know, for that person who feels like, but Mary, I've, I've held the vision, I've held it, and it didn't happen. And I, and I visualized it, and I thought it, and now I'm disappointed because it didn't happen. Can you speak to that? Like, what, why did it seem to not work for that person? Was there something subconsciously going on? Or, like, they, they feel as though they're sure that they saw it, they took the action, they went for it, and... They gave up too soon. They gave up too soon. We don't know the gestation, you know, the gestation period of a baby or other things, but you don't know the gestation period for your dream. Napoleon Hill wrote about the most successful people refuse to give up three feet from gold. And the people who ended up collapsing, giving up, often they were just three feet mm. from gold. But so you don't know the moment. Think about before we understood that for water to turn into steam, we had to build what's called sufficiency, meaning enough heat, the water turned turned from, you know, the air temperature to 2012, if you're at uh, sea level. And then there's this transformation that occurs or 100 uh, degrees Celsius. There's a transformation that occurs and it's no longer in this state and now it's in this state. It can be extremely hot, but only when it's when there's sufficiency enough heat does it transform. Most people give up too soon. They, oh, I've done everything I can do. No, you haven't stayed obviously long <laughs> enough, or you'd be a match for it. Yes, yes, got it, folks. You heard it. If you have a dream, don't give up. If it's aligned, don't give up. Keep moving. I'm, I'm hoping today's knowing that today's conversation is inspiring you to just keep putting one more step in front of the next. Mary, final question. Um, if you've shared so much today, but if there were like three of the most important life lessons you've learned in your life, the most important based on everything you've been through, and if you could only pass these three key wisdoms, codes to the next generation that you feel these three life lessons would evolve the consciousness of your children, your grandchildren, the next generation the most. I'd love to hear your three keys to life. Mm. Well, three that come to mind in this moment. Yes. Um, number one, life is not happening to us. Life is happening with and through us. Mm. Uh, pay attention to your own notice, what gives you a feeling of expansion and what gives you contraction. Just start to notice when you feel more alive and when you feel less alive. Because that's a high clue. Those are clues to a life that's expansive or a life that's contraction. Mm. Have a vision. Just give yourself a possibility. There's zillions, infinite numbers of possibilities. The one you resonate with, the one you put most of your energy on, is going to be the one that's going to move into the invisible laws, the attractor field. And you move it from a possibility, like rare possibility, well, maybe this could happen, to you, the more you relate to it, you move it to a probability vector, a probability mm -hmm. wavelength. Stay with it, it'll turn into a predictability. Mm -hmm. So 
without a vision, there's no forward progression. You're just dealing with the things coming at you. Your life matters. Everything is created twice. So create it first in your mind and then a baby step every single day. Awesome. Now, I've, I've really been inspired by this conversation today. I hope everyone is super inspired. I want everyone to be able to connect with you and your work. Uh, your work is amazing. It's inspiring. Um, to me, you're, you're a legend. And I just, you know, I, I want to thank you because it's folks such as yourself that have sort of carved the grooves in consciousness for, for me and us all to, to do what we're doing and open the possibility for us for the last, what, 45 plus years. So thank you. Bless you. Where can people find you, your work? I know you have uh, also an amazing event coming up, I think in September, a virtual event. I'd love for people to connect with you and, and your events. You can go to our main website, which is Brave Thinking Institute or BTI.com. Uh, also, I have a new book that just came out called wow. Brave Thinking. Brave Thinking. Yes, and that, that just came out. Uh, also, you can, because you're uh, involved with Coot and his work, uh, you can get a complimentary ticket to our next three-day event. That's wow. It's called Dream Builder Live, and it's a fun, interactive, virtual event. We have a front-row seat. Amazing. We'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, so, folks, definitely check out uh, Brave Thinking Institute. Check out Mary's work. Definitely make sure you attend the event. I may even... What can we hold for you? You're doing a great work in the world. What can oh, thank you do in your work? Say that again? can we hold in mind wow wow i'm just you know i'm excited I'm, i feel like i'm in the in the next evolution of of creating new teachings and new work and new events and so we're getting ready to launch some of that next year so just just hold it in the light and the energy and send positive energy because i'm seeing uh, i'm taking my work even more my live events even more sort of expanded so i'm very excited about i will look forward to all of that sounds great <laughs> sending you much love folks you heard it send me an email coop blackson at coop .com. i want to hear your key takeaways from today's episode um there was a special one send it to everyone in your life that you love make sure you check out all of mary's links in the show notes and i encourage you to attend uh, and take her up on her very generous invitation to attend her dream builder live event if i'm in town I think I may need to be there myself and experience Mary life. So folks, catch you next week. Much love, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.